You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I am the worst person to talk to when it comes to points, to how the system works. You know what? I can tell you zero. If I start focusing on any numbers, that's when everything starts going down. And I, I, I saw something with a basketball player, a girl that was an Olympian, and she said something that really resonated. And it was so good. And she said she won the, a gold medal in the last Olympics. And they were asking her, well, how do you feel about defend, having to defend your medal? And she said, well, I'm looking to get something that I never had before, which would be another gold medal. And I thought, that is so cool. That's the best way of looking at it. You just have to keep trying to get something you never had before. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast Beyond the Baseline. Our guest this week is Allie Risk, coming off a very nice fall and a very nice 2016. She's currently ranked number 41, only one off her career high. She won 41 matches. We'll talk about her year. We'll talk about her coaching relationship. We'll talk about her romantic relationship, too. She's engaged to Stephen Armitrage of the USTA. And we talk a little bit about what it's like to compete at this level and at this level of your career. She was very candid. Um, it was always a pleasure talking to her, and this was no exception. Let's get right to it. Shall we, Jamie Lasanti? We shall. You're nodding in assent. Uh, here yes, we go. we shall. Thanks. There we go. Um, Allie Risk. Yeah, there your, your mic was off. Um, here she is now from Orlando. Allie Risk, how are you? Hey, John. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Where this is you? so exciting. I oh, can't wait come for on. this. I, I love how into media you are. I wish every athlete were as not jaded as you are. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> well, I'm honored that people even want to do a podcast. I mean, I'm just always surprised when someone wants to do anything with me. So I'm like, this is great. <laughs> You're the number 41 ranked player in the world. Who would not want to do something with you? Uh, we're happy to have you. Thanks for uh, thanks for making the time. Where, uh, where are you back in back in the states? I am. I am. I'm actually in Orlando right now. Um, 
my fiance, I don't know if you know I'm engaged, but I, I'm I engaged know. to uh, Stephen Alhersage, and he works with USDA. So he just moved to Orlando, and so I'm spending um, a good portion of my off-season down here. So I was going to ask you about been, that. Um, Congratulations. What's that? I was going to say, I was going to ask you about that. As long as you brought it up, you want to start there? Sure. That's a happy topic. Sure. What's your uh, What's your ETA? When uh, When are you getting married? I am getting married June 2018. Um, that is the tentative schedule. Um, we are yet to find a venue, but we're planning on uh, my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So um, I'm very excited. I'm very overwhelmed. I feel like sticking to tennis um, is probably what I should do and let my wedding planner and family plan the rest because I can't handle the stress. <laughs> You've got a professional tennis career to worry about. You've got 18 months, though, right? So that's, that gives that you some time. That is true. That is true. But, like, John, I can't even I can't even think about a venue. Like, just talking to the venue, I get a printout back. It's, like, so in-depth. And all the other people I have to talk to, the florist, um, you know, get our food, the catering. It's just, it's just too much for me. So I just prefer to stick to tennis. I, I got your place. Seriously, I'm not kidding. <laughs> have you ever been to the? Uh, have you been to the microbrewery in a church in Pittsburgh? Microbrewery in a church. It's no. the coolest place. And I told my wife, I'm like, if I ever lived here, this is where I would get married. Hold on, I'm going to tell you this right now. We don't, we don't often yeah, do this. This is a full service. Awesome. Uh, this is a full service podcast we do here, Alley Risk. Even though Pittsburgh is my hometown, you know, growing up, I mean, tennis and school was my life. So I honestly didn't get to explore. And just in the last few years, has it really, you know, kind of taken off and we have a lot of cool new things. So I'm not too familiar with what's going on back home. Churchbrew.com. I'm not kidding. I'm showing this to Jamie. It's always good when you have a visual element on an audio show. But uh, is it a real church? This is a real church that has been transformed it's you know maybe 10 minutes from downtown oh, in pittsburgh oh that's awesome and it's now a microbrewery churchbrew.com oh i was gonna say i uh, it's a full service podcast we do here um <laughs> anyway there's, there's also awesome. the, the back room at Promonte brothers can accommodate uh 20 and there's a table for a footlong sub you know all about pittsburgh. i love pittsburgh that's one of these that uh so that's one of these cool. gem towns i didn't know that Seriously, what, churchbrew.com. What, what, a few times. Just sports? Yeah, just sports. Just the sports pirates. Okay. What did I do? It's that the is pirates. so cool. Did, what is a good sports town? So you have a lot to cover. It's one of those uh, one of those gem cities. Always like going to Pittsburgh. Um, I like hearing that. That's awesome. But you're, uh, are, are you spending your base mostly in Orlando now because of Steven? Exactly. I am, um, and I plan to do full um, of physical training with the USTA, and then I will go to Toronto in December to be with my coach for the remainder of the, the time. I want to be clear on this, because there has always been confusion. Your fiancé is not your coach. <laughs> that is correct. All right. However, I will say he does help me a ton, and I say he's co-coach. You know, Eve is definitely primary coach, but Stephen, um, Stephen helps me in, in so many ways, and um, I'd like to give him that title. He deserves it. The title of <laughs> title of co-coach. Co-coach. I like that. Um, where, where? I mean, I asked you where you were physically. Where are you metaphysically? You're, you're 41, which is I just looked it up. There's only one off your career high. You're coming off a very strong fall. 26 years you old. Know. Are you? Uh, you you happy where things are trending? 
I definitely am. I I think to, this year for me was it was a huge year. I think in a lot of different ways, but um, I take a lot of pride in the season that I had, just because I had a lot of you know. I'm just going to say trying times, even though, you know, <laughs> they weren't exactly that, that difficult. But I, I didn't win a main draw match um, in a Grand Slam for the entire year, and yet I ended top 50. And for me, you know, that's really something that I take a lot of pride in. And um, obviously I wish my main draw matches in Grand Slams had gone differently. But um, I was able to do it another way. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of that. And hopefully, you know, moving forward, I uh, can use the confidence from, from this year to, you know, start solid at the beginning of the year, hopefully in Australia. Did you know you knew your ranking before I told you that? I did, yeah. So, so did, is there part of you, I mean, I, I'm always curious how much players think about this stuff. I mean, if I were your coach, I would say, look at it this way. All you have to do is win uh, one match. At all. You know, you're defending nothing at uh, at all four majors next year, and you won 41 matches and almost made the top 40 without winning a match at a major. Is this something you go through, or is, is this not where your head is? That is absolutely the first place from where my head is. Um, I am the worst person to talk to when it comes to points, to how the system works. You know what? I can tell you zero. I mean, if I start focusing on any numbers, um, you know, that's when – everything starts going down. And the moment you start thinking about defending too, I feel like that's the beginning of the end. And um, I, I, I saw something with a basketball player, a girl that was an Olympian, and she said something that really resonated. And it was so good. And she said she won the, a gold medal in the last Olympics. And they were asking her, well, how do you feel about defend, having to defend your medal? And she said, well, I'm, I'm looking to get something that I never had before which would be another gold medal. And I thought, that is so cool. That's the best way of looking at it. And um, I actually saw that in a magazine uh, on a plane. <laughs> so, um, but it really, I think it sums everything up. You just have to keep um, trying to get something you never had before. And it's kind of a hard, hard thing to grasp. But the more you can focus on that, I think the better. And that's why I cannot start thinking about points defending. That's when... Uh, uh, Things right. are very difficult. <laughs> what what is uh what's something you've never had before? Oh gosh, that would be a lot. That is a lot. Um, every every week, every week is an opportunity to get something I never had before. Whether it's winning, um, winning, it's a new year, you know. So I feel like every week um, you can do something you've never done before and um, get something you've never had, and um, obviously. Ranking-wise, I haven't had a lot, so, you know, there's always room to improve with that. But um, I just think every week is a new chance to get something that you never had. So it's um, it's definitely a mindset that you have to consistently work on, and I think my coach, you know, is uh, extremely instrumental in that. And um, I am forever grateful to him because if it weren't for him, I feel like, uh, tennis for me would not be fun. And you're you're talking. Let's let's give him a name check. You're you're talking about Eve Boulay. Say that again? Let, let's give so him a name. Che- name. Yes. Let's let's uh, give him. Yeah, his my, my coach's name is uh, Eve Boulay. And you've you've been with him he for a long time. Canada, Toronto. He, he's uh, he's based in Canada, and you've you've been with him for what what ten years now, right? 
I have, yeah. I, I started with Eve um, in Hilton Head when I was 14, when my sister was playing on tour. That was her coach when she graduated from Vanderbilt, and she tried to play on tour. And um, once um, my sister, you know, was with him for a while and loved what she was getting from him, she thought, you know, Ali, I think you should try him out too. And uh, ever since Eve is, uh, Eve has has been a huge part of my career and there were a couple of years there um, I think 2000 the end of 2013 to the end of uh, 2015 where I I was not with him and I really struggled and um, I was you know tennis for me was not fun I didn't enjoy anything about it and luckily logistics um, worked out that I could go back with him and um, you know I hope that I'll be with him for the rest of my career. Why is that? What what, is, what does he give you? Oh gosh, he, oh gosh, Eve Eve is. I look at him as a coach, obviously for my tennis, and he he is such a um, he's such a student of the game. Like Eve constantly is learning about tennis. He's looking up um, all the new stats and like the new. Um, equipment that people use to track what's going on in the court and just every type of statistical thing, Eve is on it. And so he's constantly learning and any information that he's getting, he's giving it back to me. And um, he's very into motivating and um, just keeping my mind in check, which for me is the biggest thing. And um, he is a life coach for me, not just a tennis coach. And I hope that, you know, the lessons that I've learned from Eve on the on the tennis court transfer over when I'm done because he really has taught me a lot of, just about life in general and um, being successful in whatever, whatever you're trying to do. And um, I could go on and on about Eve because I really think that he is just the best. And I'm so grateful to him. And I really do believe that my career has been built um, because of Eve. You're getting emotional talking about him. I feel like I'm I'm about to cry. <laughs> we we can take a break. We're not live. Um, we'll we'll get back to Eve. Getting up. I um, I'm looking at your results, and you you won a lot of matches, and you also had a lot of quality wins in here. Do you, do you play the game that we all used to play in junior tennis of the indirect win? Do do you say like, I beat Kuznetsova, who beat Serena. Maybe I'm not that far from beating Serena. I beat, you know, whoever. Dibokova, who That's took so down Radwanska. I mean, are you, you know, you're... That's so funny. You're, you're not playing I top 10. Top, I know, but I'm, but I'm looking at your results, and I'm thinking if somebody, you know, leaving the Grand Slams out of this, if somebody went through this, you would say, this is somebody with top 10 capabilities. She's, she's beating players who are either in the top 10 or beating players in the top 10. Why? Well, what's, what's preventing Ali Risk from being a top 10 player? Do you, do you let yourself go there? Yeah, I definitely do. And I feel like that's where, you know, Eve will bring me back to life and help me focus on, on the process. Um, and, you know, I do believe the sky's the limit. And, you know, a part of me does go there at times. I um, try to take my mind away from it as quickly as possible because obviously at the end of the day, my tennis has to be there and I have to be performing. And um, I think that's something, you know, like I like you mentioned, is my match. I've had a lot of good wins this year, and I, I had a lot of wins, which I think it was my most winning year yet. And that that fact is courtesy of my fiance Stephen, so he lets me, you know, beware of my good facts. <laughs> but um, 
he uh, he definitely told me that. And I think it's a step forward because I think it shows that I am starting to compete a little bit more consistently. Um, you know, I qualify for a lot of the premier events, which, um, you know, I've never done before. And, um, you know, I had some tough first rounds. A lot of them were in three sets. And, you know, that part's brutal. A lot of them were in three sets to top 15 players. And right. if I can just start snagging a couple of them and um, being in there at the end, you know, I feel like that will kind of be the turning point. And that's why I think I had a win over Kuznetsova at the end of the year, and it was in three sets. And, you know, I was able to pull that out, which for me was a huge thing because I had a lot of tough ones during the year. So um, it was it was really big for me to kind of pull through. I was honestly upset that it was my last year of the tournament because I was ready to play more. <laughs> but, I was going to say, you, you really, but, um, you must take pride in finishing as strong as you did. I definitely do. I, I definitely do. Um, like I said, it was a great year for me. Um, I, I definitely learned a lot, and um, I just, I hope that, it, you know, I can continue the consistency next year. I was writing about this a few weeks ago. I, I get asked all the time, what is the story with Andy Murray? And he's screaming at his box, and then after the match, he's this thoughtful, measured, reasonable guy. And and one of the theories I put out there is that when we're in these aroused states, and it can be right. sexual arousal, and it can be you know, it can be a physical confrontation, it can be competition, you're just not yourself. And there's a lot of research mm-hmm. on that. How, how much do you feel like when you're competing— when the match is in progress, how different a person do you feel than the person I'm talking to right now? <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, the people that know me the most, they probably say not that different. I'm pretty difficult, pretty fiery. And um, <laughs> so um, I don't know. But, yeah, I, it's, it's so true. I feel like sports, you know, bring in a whole new dynamic um, you know, for competitors. And that's the beauty of it. It shows passion and it shows, you know, that we care. And um, I, 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 I definitely think um, I'm slightly cooler off court than on. Um, I'm, I'm pretty intense on court. And I feel like for me, I have to show a bit of emotion, a bit of um, fire just to get myself in the competitive spirit. And um, some people go about it a different way, but for me, that's that's what works best. And um, off court, I can't say that I'm I'm that um, I'm quite that fiery. So um, I'm slightly different. You don't sound fiery. a little bit more competitive on the court. We are uh, we we are tracking this. You've you've got two full months off, and we we often hear players talk about the the off season. And I wish the off season were longer. And in my off season, I did X. What is your off season like? I mean, you've. I, I'm. I'm thinking you're. You're basically shutting it down. You're not going to play another match for the next ten no. weeks or so, right? Correct. So, so what is this? Correct. What is this time period like? I mean, are you staying in shape? Are you working on? Are you resting? Are you looking at analytics? Are you changing your diet? What What is when a player yeah. talks about off season? What does that mean in tennis? Yeah. Well, I feel like this year this. This is a whole different off season for me, you know, let's say compared to last year. I'm in a very different place 
um, mentally. And um, so I think last year I was able to detach really quickly because I was ready for a break. I was ready to be done. Whereas this year, you know, I had a little bit more success. I ended in a, a better place. And so my mind is still kind of on tennis. So I haven't fully detached which, um, you know, I'm not sure if it will happen, but I'm not worried about it too much. But um, I'm definitely taking three weeks. Um, I'm in the middle of my, my second week off um, from not touching a racket. Um, so the first week I didn't um, do any physical activity whatsoever. I just started back kind of jogging um, a little bit this week, doing just minimal exercises. And then in um, the week after next, then I'll start the physical activity and do like two a day fitness for, for two consecutive weeks. And then, um, and then the tennis will begin again. So it's kind of, um, you do have so much time and you don't have to rush it. And all of us have played so much tennis in our, in our life that unless you're making a huge change in your game, you know, I don't feel like you necessarily need that many weeks of, um, you know, grinding on the tennis court. Obviously, we I'm going to do that, but um, probably not more than three to four weeks of that. So um, the timetable is very nice. Like I said, we we get plenty of time off. In my opinion, I feel like the season the season is long, and our off season is long. And um, honestly, a couple extra weeks in there um, for people that would choose to. Um, you know, want to, or who what would like to play a little bit longer, um, I think would be beneficial. Not everyone would have to play, but um, it is a long off season, and you know, I'm, I am twiddling my thumbs a little bit, but obviously, I, I have to take the time off and give my body a rest. So <laughs> it's um, doctor's orders, but um, it is definitely nice to just have nothing to do for a little bit. Start binge watching uh, Transparent. That, that's my advice. Um, I had to, uh, I wanted to find your career high ranking. I, I often fight with the WTA website, so I'm embarrassed to admit I went on Wikipedia and I found out your career high ranking, but it also noticed this line. Her father, Al, was the first to take her out to play. He worked in the Secret Service before becoming an FBI investigator. I did not know that. Give me your, uh... Give, he was a badass. Give me your, what, what do you mean is? What do you mean was? I suspect, uh... <laughs> Present tense applies. What's what's your uh, what's what's your best Secret Service story? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I can repeat a lot of the ones that went on. My dad's pretty crazy. <laughs> he is a crazy man, and anyone that's met him will say he is certifiably crazy. But he's got the biggest heart that anyone's ever uh, you know been around. But he um, he was with President. Um, he was with Bush Sr., he was with Clinton, he was with Reagan for a while, and um, he he was on uh, President Detail, so he, you know, was with the President at all times, and um, he definitely had some crazy stories, but... Um, were, were you allowed to... Uh, were you, were you, to the forefront, but, I was going uh, to get you in any yeah, trouble. He, he's an interesting guy. When, when, you were, uh, when you were growing up and people said, what does your dad do, were you allowed to say... I was allowed to say he actually retired when I was three years old. So um, when I was three, that's exactly when I started playing tennis. So I don't know if that was lucky or unlucky for me, but I was then my dad's sole focus because my siblings were much older than me. And so my dad literally went into retirement and I was his next job. 
<laughs> is that right? You could say you yeah, had a yeah. uh, you, you said you could you had secret service detail when you played junior tennis and you wouldn't you wouldn't have been lying. Um Yeah, exactly. What um your your fiance Stevens, you, you mentioned him and he he a vital part of, of USDA and player development and I know that uh he's done a lot to sort of bolster the, the profile and importance of college tennis. But he, he's not mm-hmm. gonna be he's not gonna be traveling with you. What what is it like to uh have have a fiance and you're globe trotting and, and he's not. How's how's that travel been? Yeah, yeah. Well, Stephen, it's it's really awesome because obviously Stephen has been around tennis for his whole life as well, and so he understands, you know, the lifestyle. His dad lived it. You know, his uncles obviously lived it as well, and so he gets it. And um, this is all. You know, this is what we've known since the beginning of our relationship. And we made it work. And, you know, Stephen is so good about coming to tournaments when he can, taking vacation time and being there with me. And, um, you know, now that, you know, he's based in Orlando, hopefully I can, you know, take a couple weeks here and there, too, and get back home. But um, it is it is different. But like I said, we're, we're very lucky that um, we both are understanding of the situation and when we've made it work. And um, I'm very very fortunate for that. I want to ask you about Angie Kerber. Yes. Um, a, a year ago, if we'd spoken, we would say nice player, lefty, top 10, some, some nice wins here and there. We would not necessarily have picked her as the player to finish 2016, ranked number one, two majors, final of a third, Olympic silver medal. Do you see a player like that and find inspiration? Oh, 100%. Um, I think it's really cool what's going on in women's tennis right now. I feel like, you know, you have Angie Kerber. Um, obviously, Red Monska has been, um, you know, a consistent, you know, top three player in the world. But you have so many different players that you you might not have known, or might not have predicted, you know, what their future would hold, but they are absolutely, um, you know, taking the tennis world by storm. And I honestly, Andy Kerber is a perfect example. I think someone like Joanna Conta is just absolutely phenomenal for the sport. Um, I, I mean, her, her story in particular, I feel like um, is something that I admire so much. And, um, you know, I take a lot of inspiration from her, from her story in particular, but um yeah, it's it's really fantastic, and I think um, a lot of a lot of players can take these stories to heart and kind of uh, you know think, well, hey, if if they could do it, you know, I could too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we we all God bless Serena, but she's she's a once in a generation talent. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I if I'm if I'm Allie Risk, I'm looking at Joe Conte and I'm saying, you know what, T- tip of the cap to her, but if she can do it, why can't I? Um, that's that's true. That's very true. What do you uh, What do you wish someone had told you before you uh, took off on this line of work? What do you What What do you wish someone had told you about uh, being a WTA tour member and playing professional tennis that uh, you would you would impart to someone else starting their career today? Hmm. I think something that has helped me, if you can fully grasp the idea that you know. One match will not 
shape your year. And I feel like so many times, you know, you get put into a big situation against, a, you know, a big player and you think, oh, God, okay, if I, if I win this match, you know, meanwhile, let's, let's take away the big situation. Let's just say it's a big match. Right. And you um, say, oh, my gosh, if I win this match, you know, this is going to mean that, one, I'm playing well, that um, I have another opportunity in the second round that people are going to think that I'm, um, you know, I'm doing or that I'm playing well. If you, you know, can just focus on um, the on the process and nothing else, um, I really believe that it's very hard to grasp. And I have a hard time describing it even, but if you can grasp it, it is something that makes your world so much easier. It takes the stress off of the entire, off of everything. It really, truly does. If you cannot put emphasis on one particular match, if you say, oh, I'm playing Sam Sosa, if I win this match, and list all the things that it would mean. If you can just forget about that, it's one match. It literally doesn't matter. No one cares about what you're doing, no one cares. They really don't. And I think the more that you can take that, I think that it really, for me, it really relieved a lot. That's really interesting. I, I would, my, if I were going to give you a twist on that, I would say this: the if you if you win one of those matches, it's it's amazing how the public forgets the losses and remembers the wins. So if if Angie Kerber That's beats great. Serena Williams in the Australian Open final. She's redefined her career, and if she loses that match, that was a nice ride into the final, and good for her. Let's see what she can do. That that it actually right. kind of works to your favor. I agree with it one hundred percent. And yes, there's always any match. You know, it's, there might be a milestone if you win it, but you know what? You're not going to win it if you if you don't bring your level and you and you don't focus on the moment. If you focus on what people are thinking, what is going to happen after if you win, and what's going to happen here, it's literally taking all of your focus away from what you can do in the moment. And I just think that the more you can grasp it, it just it's amazing what it can do. And like you said, if Kerber wins that match, obviously it transforms your career. But at the same time, like you said, shooting the final last tournament, you cannot. You, it's a win-win. And right. so I feel like there's always a win-win if you can look at it the right way. All right, last question. 2017, will be successful if blank? <laughs> from a, from a tennis standpoint. Right. Not, not, uh, <laughs> not, not registering and finding a venue. If Steven and I really do get married. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2017, will be successful if I stay in the process and I bring a consistent level of tennis week after week. Good answer. Um, this was fun. I'm telling you, I'm going to solve any of your wedding issues by telling you to check out Church Brew. But but more importantly... I am going to check that out, actually. Um, but more importantly... You're invited, by the way, if we go there. Hey, thanks. What, what if... Uh, <laughs> no. Um, I noticed you're, you're putting that pretty close. That's, that's sandwiched between the French Open and Wimbledon. Oh, it would, it would be after Wimbledon. Oh, after Wimbledon. This is in 2018. All right. Then, then I'm there. Yeah. Um, all right. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your off season. Enjoy your downtime. I'll uh, 
I'll email you a few shows to binge watch. Stay away from di- di- divorce on HBO is no good. You don't want to watch that. But uh, I'll. You know, have you? Do you watch Homeland? I watch Homeland. Oh, that's my favorite. Are you? Uh, to come back. Are you? Are you all caught up? I. You know, I only watched the third season. Oh. So what are you talking about? Twiddling your thumbs? You got two. Uh, you got two very good seasons to watch. You're home free. Oh man. C- C- Catastrophe is underrated. Um, all right, we will. Uh, we'll see you in Australia <laughs> in a new year, and you'll be. Uh, yes. You'll be building on yes, your ranking you of forty-one. So I'm so excited. You're a great guest. This, this was so nice of you. You're I welcome really back. No, it was it. nice. Thank you for making the time. You are welcome back anytime. This also is going to sound like an infomercial for uh, for Eve Bolay. So I was nice to uh, nice to see we could name check him as well. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, and thanks to Jamie as well. I appreciate her help. Thank you. That's Jamie. (laughs) Um, All right, thanks, Allie. This was great, and uh, we'll we'll catch up soon. That sounds awesome. Have a good one, guys. You too. Take care. Hey, everyone. That was this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. That was Allie Risk, great guest. Always a pleasure talking to her. If you have suggestions for where she should get married in Pittsburgh, uh, you can feel free. I'm happy to play middleman. I'm John Wertheim. My producer is Jamie Lasanti. That was uh, that was a nice conversation with a WTA player who's ranked 41 with a bullet because she's not defending a whole lot of points. So uh, that's an American player to keep an eye on. Expect her to build on that ranking. That does it for this week. That um, we'll, we'll do one more, I think, Jamie. Is that right? One more, and then we may take Thanksgiving off. But that is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. We'll be back in a week. Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Mm-hmm.